This show is made possible by you, our listeners. If you like what you hear, and if you want to help us tell more stories and reach more people, then from only two US dollars a month, you can become a patron of the show. Just visit patreon.com forward slash Aruka Network. Hello, I'm Jake Lloyd and welcome to How to Build Community, a podcast and a radio show brought to you by Tierfund's Footsteps magazine and Ruka Network. In this episode, we're in northern Pakistan to hear a story of how an isolated migrant community brought electricity and water, confidence and skills to their neighborhood through something called community-centered media. बाद के बाद हमारा अगला पड़ाव अजा खेल मुशारा का था this is the sounds of a community radio project in the KPK region of Pakistan. It was a project set up by Hazin Latif, who is my guest in this episode. Hazin heads an organization called Amplifying Voices Pakistan, and they are dedicated to community-centered media. Today, you're going to hear him tell a remarkable story of what this project has achieved in this region. But first of all, let's briefly hear Hazin explain what community-centered media is. Basically, community-centered media is giving a voice to the community so that that community being linked and, and being trained with the skills to use media so that they can highlight their issues and their problems to the decision makers, to the people living around them, so that they can live and they can have a healthy and flourishing life. And Hazin thinks this idea of training and supporting people to develop their own messages is far better than the way advocacy is often done. Normally what is what the organizations, the NGOs, the, the groups who want to support or want to help the communities which are in, which are marginalized, they develop their own messages after taking information from the community. And that's not the way which we see. If we allow communities to develop their own messages in their own language and send it on air, then the community will take the ownership of what they are talking about. And the decision makers or the service providers or the donors or whoever is capable of helping them will come directly to them. So the trust is built in a, in a, in a stronger way. So that's the theory. How does it work in practice? Hazin is friends with a church pastor in a town in this KPK region. And it was through him speaking with his friend that he heard about a small migrant community of about 50 or 60 families that lived close to the pastor's church. Now, Hazin has asked me not to name the migrant community or where they are from, but he did tell me that they arrived in the area several years ago, following a time of flooding where they lived, and that when they moved to this area of Pakistan, for a long time, they were not welcome. This community was not uh, thought to be a well-behaved or, um, or, or good community because this, they thought that they are maybe a people of having evil mind in their thoughts. And so most of the communities which was living around them, they feared them. And uh, they thought that uh, maybe the thieves, the smugglers or the, or the murderers or uh, people from the evil side... 
And he also learned that they were a community that had had a hard time accessing basic infrastructure. We found out that this community has such issues. For example, they did not have any proper infrastructure. From proper infrastructure means they did not have any roads. They did not have clean drinking water. Uh, they did not have proper toilets. Uh, there were not, uh, no, not any kind of a basic health unit there. So all these were issues and they were all laborers. They didn't knew how to even uh, hand washing. They were unaware of that because they were... Uh, kind of uh, so much in that situation. Hazin felt convicted that community-centred media could help this community. But as he was an outsider from the big city, he also knew that to go and just run a programme or impose his own ideas in the community just wasn't going to work. They feel that we are kind of intruders, that we are some aliens because you know provinces they feel that islamabad it's a developing city it's a developed city it's a, they are good they are educated and they can't understand our our language and uh, especially these kpk people Pash, pashtun people they have a very strong culture you know you can't even enter their house you their women are kept away you cannot enter into their uh, family court so how did he get started well he said it was about spending a lot of time just visiting and getting to know people and he also said that this was an approach that sometimes raises eyebrows amongst people he knows even my family also and some of my good friends said that for one year you are going there meeting only friends making friends sitting with them having tea and discussion and talking, talking about their issues, but you are doing nothing. So I knew that it is the beginning, you know. So we found good friends. And from that good friends, we started developing that um, uh, that unprofitable kind of a trust, you know, nothing give and take. It's just the trust. It's just the friendship. And through that friendship, when uh, somebody is ready, they would say that, can you help us? Because for the last 40 years, nobody has come to us and asked that what you are doing. And we have been suffering for clean drinking water. We have no electricity. We have no roads. We have no schools in our region. And we are plowing. We are, uh, we are cultivating the, the land and field for some landlord. So we are tenants. And then I say, okay, I can support you. I can guide you. I can be with you for this, this time. And uh, you are the champions. You will be the heroes. You will be the captains. It's just about you. You do it. I'll support you. And they start doing it. So this is a fascinating and a good way to start with that. Rather than, rather than taking a tag on my head that, oh, I'm from this NGO. I'm a director. I'm a this man. I'm well-educated. Hmm. No, even I dressed in their local um, dressing, which they used to. And I would like to sit with them on the ground with all those house flies, all those dirt and everything sitting, mingling in between the community, being the part of that community. Because without that community, you will never be able to uh, get that trust. So to Hazine, it was all about trust. And I really like that phrase he used, unprofitable trust, just friendship. And so from this friendship and then this invitation to start a project, they began to think about radio skills and equipment. From that point, we started our first training sessions, how to use media and how to use uh, radio. 
They also needed a place to make their radio shows, and there's no expensive facilities needed. Instead, they rely on resources and generosity within the community. In that village, a person gave uh, his mud house, mud room, and he said that you can do the recordings here. So they started a small kind of a studio, which was not kind of such a fancy studio, but at least a small mixer and two microphones with a laptop. And they started producing their own programs. So from here, they start collecting stories, which Hazin and his organization then helps to arrange to be broadcast on a local FM station. So what they do is they, they collect stories from the people. For example, the electricity, uh, people who are suffering, the, the women who are suffering, uh, we get stories from that and they record it and they edit it. And with that, they connect that uh, story with some link and with the, with the issue related uh, policies, what are going on and connect to the other communities that look, we, we don't have any electricity and we have only one single power line and our community which is on the back and which is on the front, they are having all kind of facilities because their people have good connections with the ministers, with the professional ministers, with the, with the strong rich people. And we are poor and nobody cares for us. So these kind of stories are developed. And those are true stories. So that if anybody wants to come in, they will find that house, they will find that village, and they will find that person, and they can uh, check from that. So we started developing uh, at least five to seven stories uh, regarding electricity. One of the story was that uh, an elder lady, she was uh, paralyzed, bedridden. And uh, she was unable to move. And uh, due to the less voltage, the fan will only be of a very low speed and low voltage. So doctor said that because of this heat, all uh, her skin, back skin has been damaged. So you, she needs some, some cool into it. And uh, because that was a wonderful story and they build up. Similarly, there were stories that people were having, uh, the, the school kids were having blisters on their skin because there is nothing to, uh, I mean, there is no fans. So these all stories came up to eventually to build up a bigger story that this is the issue of the electricity and they needed that. So they built up these collection of stories about how a lack of electricity impacted them and they did the same thing on the subject of access to water as well. He told me that members of the community had to cross a railway track and walk to another community to fetch water. And they were not always welcome when they got there. Sometimes they were chased away. The only clinic which was developed by a volunteer, uh, when they checked, they registered. Most of the men and children and women, they were suffering from waterborne diseases, gastritis, and uh, other diarrhea issues. And that was only because of the uh, drinking water. There were only old two water bores which were dug far, far back, 15 years back, and they were all rusted. And that rusted and stagnant, uh, smelly water people were using. Nobody knew how to boil a water. And uh, even if they knew how to boil a water because of their poverty, they don't have a gas, they don't have stores, they burn wood. So they will save the wood for, their f for, for, for cooking the food rather than boiling the water. So all those stories uh, of suffering were built up and that 
developed a bigger story. And then as these stories began to be shared on the radio, change started to happen. While they were sending those programs, all of a sudden, the infrastructure also started to develop. Um, the contractors came in, they started uh, uh, concreting the, the paths which uh, they were going on. There was a uh, a, a volunteer person came up and he said that I will give my one room to start up with a basic uh, clinic, a health center, so that people can come and at least they can have a water drip in uh, for any dehydration or anything. So we started developing uh, that health unit that was developed. Later on, after after these programs, um, the power electricity, electricity power, which was just very far away, and there were very thin lines crossing that village, they were also developed and more uh, empowered uh, transformers were, were built in, more high voltages cable came in. And from that village, there was one um, sewerage line was passing on, and which every time which uh, swelled and the water came into the houses, that was also cleaned up. And uh, through that FM channels, even the government also was involved. And later on, when the community spokesman taking a mic microphone, going to the decision makers, government to the going to the government offices, they were more than welcomed. And they knew that this is a community, and we we need to help them. So that that's what fascinated me: that a simple voice sent through an FM channel. Uh, really made a difference between the community. But how did this change happen? I asked Tazim if government representatives were actually listening to the shows. I don't think so that none of the government officials or any uh, decision makers will listen to these programs. You know, what happened that then we strategized when we, when we developed those stories and through stories, people started to listening and this uh, kind of a hype was created. So later on, with these interviews, with all these stories, our representative from the community went directly to the electricity office to talking to the engineer who had this control of all this electricity. And when they were talked and said that this is the issue, we have been airing these programs, listen to these programs. What would you say about this issue? Then, you know, he or she would be trapped. And then they would, then they would promise on air or through our microphone that yes, we have heard this issue, and by next week we are having three more lines so that people can get good voltage of power. So it's uh, you know it's a kind of a balanced story. Uh, a stories coming from the community, and that issue is taken to the decision makers or to the departments who directly or indirectly deal with that issue. So when all two they get together, they. Uh, take action on that. And third part, when the electricity lines were uh, placed and uh, power came back, people were happy. We again took that story to encourage the departments who did this good job. So that was kind of a balancing the story rather than only banging the negative drum. No, 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 no. It's issue, issue, issue. So the things which were positive, which they were dealt, they were all encouraged. And then the department became very happy and they said that they are cooperative to us. So if we had some other issues, then again, if you want to go to the departments, that trust again would open the doors for uh, our community leaders to get interviews from them. And as he mentioned there, it's not just the government 
that have acted, some generous local people. And remember, these are people who previously looked down on this migrant community. Some of these local people donated for boreholes to be dug to give access to water. One of the donors, which is a very recent donor, uh, she's not from an, any organization. She's an independent lady. And after hearing our programs and our stories, what we are doing for the community, uh, she said that I want to help and I want to uh, support you to dig uh, a water bore, water hole here, so that people can get uh, a water out of that. On a practical note, does the support of Hazine continue after the project has been set up? Our trainees doesn't stop. As per their need, I, I give them the refreshers. I do their troubleshootings. We often uh, travel to the community, and uh, sometimes for nothing even. No issues, no problem. Just sit with them. And secondly, you know, it's a it's a volunteer job. So volunteers, uh, youth doesn't stay. Sometimes um, a person can uh, do a program for at least two, three months, four months. Then he or she can leave, especially the women, the girls. They get married in early ages and they leave the place. So as the newcomers come in, they get training from the previous uh, people. So... We keep on uh, uh, the connection with them. It's not that we are disconnected and bye-bye, Tata, and that's fun, and I'm going home. So no. But uh, mostly it is that uh, we try to uh, be in touch with them. And the goals of this community don't stop there. Hazin told me how they have now set their sights on a new goal. And now our future plan is to at least build two rooms for them um, in which uh, girls and boys can have their basic primary teaching because they don't know anything. The, the kids are just running here and there uh, with nowhere to go. So there's, so, no, there's, no, yeah. there's no education at the moment? No there's... education. Hmm. Education schools are far away and they are poor. They are uh, laborers uh, working in the field. So they find it so much difficult to send, and especially, you know, Jake, uh, for the girls. Finally, if you're listening to this and you're interested in doing something similar where you live, where should you start? I put this question to Hazine and he told me about the four rules of his work. First of all, it is to make your shoes dirty. It means become the part of the community. Mm. And our second principle is hand over the microphone to them rather than holding the microphone to yourself. And our third principle is use the local voices. Give them opportunity to, uh, to the uh, local voices and a fourth principle is use whatever they have you know if they have a mosque use that so when you make your shoes dirty when you get to sit with the community the trust develops that was Hazin Latif from Amplifying Voices Pakistan talking about how community centred media can transform people and place and if you want to see some pictures videos updates from this community and if you're on facebook then i highly recommend seeking out their page just go to facebook and search amplifying voices pakistan but that's almost it for this episode before we go don't forget you can catch up on previous episodes of how to build community on our soundcloud page or in your podcast player just search how to build community you can help support this show by making a small monthly donation on our Patreon page. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Aruka Network. 
You can learn more about Aruka Network at the website arukanetwork.org. You can download every edition of Tearfund's Footsteps magazine at learn.tearfund.org. And finally, if you have some feedback on this show or suggestions for future interviewees, then you can reach me via email jake at arukanetwork.org. But that's it for this episode. Until next time, bye for now. Bye.